Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias, and I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are space journalists, and uh, we're trying to we're trying to write our articles on on space, but we don't have that pen, you know, the the one that like writes upside down, um, mm. and like all and it's like a space pen. And the NASA spent like a, a billion, a gajillion dollars on it, and then the Russians used a pencil. You know that one? We don't we don't have it, so we can't be space journalists. Which is um, it's a uh, so we haven't we haven't done that yet. So we're issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down. Your goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast. We read any stories that Jarvis and I wrote. Uh, we talk about what we learned in writing it. And then we always talk about stories sent in by you listeners. Mm-hmm. Exacto mundo. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. Doof, a media, doof media production. production. Woo. Um, did you? So the whole thing with the the pens, you know, the the, the upside down pen and stuff, and yeah. that's like really fancy. It turns out that like, I mean, like the using a pencil is not actually like an objectively better solution because then you have like little bits of graphite everywhere. And oh, so yeah. like that's that can be a problem because you're especially in space you're going to end up breath- breathing that or it's going to clog a system or something. So that's why it actually turned out to be pretty useful. I think um I mean it's a fun it's a fun story though. Um yeah. Wait, it so is like how different propaganda, is, a, is a space pen to a normal pen? I have no idea. If someone can send me the schematics to a space pen, <laughs> the blueprints um, yeah, my, my uh, our email is uh, rightthingcast at gmail.com, and I, w- I would love to see it. And um, if you do send that in, I will um, describe it in, in detail. That, that actually will be one of my stories one of these weeks. It will be just like a story told through a narration of a schematic. Okay. <laughs> Sounds complicated. <laughs> it's, it's very avant-garde. So, <laughs> Well, you know, in that same vein, this week is sci-fi week. Or basically, we're going to talk about uh, sci-fi. My story that I, that I uh, submitted this week is a tabid sci-fi. And also, a good portion of, of the stories that we will be reading this week are sci-fi-based. That's right. Um, yeah, we, you actually, we, we actually wrote a story this week. I want to say we because I don't want to say you actually wrote the story this week because that makes it sound like, oh, Jarvis, you don't write stories very often. You, you finally wrote one when it's like I didn't either. <laughs> but it, now I feel weird saying we wrote a story because I did not write a story. Um, but yeah, well, we have know, a story it's to still read. like royal we, you know. <laughs> royal we. That's actually, yeah, that is, I think that's correct. Um, um, which is, yep. Uh, so what, what were the words this week, Jarvis? So the words for this week were, Transform, advisor, scan, and bend. And I used all of them besides advisor. Wow. What was the rationale? Uh, pretty much it just didn't really fit into the story. I mean, to be honest, as I was writing, I was just going off of this idea that I had in like a lucid dream. Um, and as I was writing it, I kind of quickly realized, oh, I haven't used a single word. Um, so I pretty much went back and just put in the ones that seem to work the best. And since th- my story is more of like a supernatural medical sci-fi type thing, um, I couldn't really find a good place for the word ad- advisor. Um, but I did find a place for a scan. I use bent instead of bend. And a transform can be used I- anywhere, really. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, transforming is one of the uh, the core verbs. I think it describes a lot of things. 
uh, yeah. in real life, which is um, very versatile. Very versatile. Because everything morphs into something uh, else. How was the How was the process of writing? Yeah, and I know we we kind of haven't in a couple weeks, so. Oh yeah, so uh, this week's process was really good. Um, I know going off of last week, I really wanted to write a uh, a story this this week, um, and I'm definitely getting a lot more comfortable when it comes to submitting something that is completely un- unpolished to do the right thing. Because uh, I know this this week, shocker, uh, I really did set a um, a, a timer. And I did go over by a little bit, but um, definitely using that kind of forced me to continue on one path when it comes to writing this story. Um, but on but on the same token, as I was getting towards the end, uh, that's when I had to start wrapping up everything else that I was really um, mm-hmm. setting up, pretty much. I uh, ended up writing a story that's about 3,000 words. So. Yeah, I noticed that when I was reading it on Reddit, I was like, okay, so we got the first page and then a comment. That makes sense. It, you know, usually our stories end up being at least two comments. And then it was another one. I was like, okay, wow, this is a this is a, a, a story. It's, it's really got going. And then there was another one. I was like, God, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, I really hate how Reddit doesn't let you post more than 1,000 words. Um, well, I mean, granted, I feel that maybe we're one of the only subreddits using it in this fashion. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so really the main reason why I got to... The, the main reason why it's as long as it is is because the idea going into it was already fairly fully formed. Like, uh, I knew through and through it, exactly how I want the beginning to to be I knew the I knew the characters going in um I pretty much knew everything besides the uh, middle bit which I decided just to throw in a whole bunch of dialogue which I think most of it works um I don't know I just feel that personally the story um is very jumpy if uh that makes sense like like we're sure. here we are there we are we are in this idea now we're here uh so i don't know i think definitely on a second run uh if i do choose to come back to this story which which i do hope i think i i have a lot of good ideas going this um i would definitely take a much slower time going through it mm-hmm. yeah yeah um well okay let's just uh let's get into it anything sure. else we should know before we go um, the only other thing that I might want to say is that if you haven't heard the um, the stoner metal band Stoned Jesus, uh, please sit down <laughs> it, and yeah, it's listen a, to it. It's required listening for this episode of the podcast. Oh, 100%. I, I know as soon as I uh, started writing this, I uh, sent you a, a link to one of their most good. to one of their most popular songs. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's pretty good, you know. Uh, I mean, I absolutely love stoner metal but i know that most people don't like it because it kind of sounds gross sometimes mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's all i have to say go and go and listen to them show them some support they're making good music out yeah so the title of this one is consumption the man at the front desk buzzed michael in he had just unlocked the front door and put the keurig on was still in his street clothes, drowsy, and halfway through his Get Up and Go Go playlist, he just added two Stone Jesus albums to this morning. 
If you've ever had the opening shift, you probably understand his appreciation for the silence. You're getting paid to flip switches and prep. Miles easier than dealing with customers, patients in his case, and their individual needs. So the frantic knocks on glass that reached through his headphones signaled a difficult day, but it couldn't hold a candle to what Michael was going through. It was like looking at a ghost. Surprisingly thin face fell into a round body, pale varicose skin ill-covered by a filled-out flannel. The front desk clerk was a tad terse, short questions and not-so-hidden eye rolls, heavy click-clacks on his keyboard and a petty game of not giving him a pin the first time. But it was the morning. Few hours west, it would still be midnight. So the clerk nor Michael weren't all too considerate of the other. The clerk passed him a sign-in sheet and motioned behind Michael. He turned to see a quaint waiting room equipped with two health-conscious vending machines, an older model TV that was still a flat screen, and a coffee maker that was probably out of filters. Michael looked back at the clerk with a raised eyebrow and flared nose. But already, the clerk turned to look over papers. Eventually, the doctor got in, buzzing past the two-level front door with a laptop bag and enough Starbucks for everyone. He was a tall man with short curly hair, had Coke bottle glasses that aren't as distracting as you might think. Hey, Gavin. The doctor's smile was infectious and porcelain, pulling the clerk, Gavin, away from his phone and into the day. Morning. How'd moving go? The doc stopped by the front desk and, and passed a mocha cappuccino to Gavin. Then he fished round his coat pockets for sugars and cream. It wasn't cold outside. In fact, summer was still in full swing. But the doctor's bomber jacket, thick khakis, and beanie cleverly hid his square lab coat button-down and tie. The youth in him wouldn't be caught dead wearing. It went okay, Dr. Mathers. Your buddies really helped out. There was no way I could have handled those stairs by myself. Eh, Dr. Mathers raised his, his cup to signal a cheers. I keep good people. Gavin clinked their cups and took a swig. You're bringing favors for the Stone Jesus concert tonight, right? Don't worry about it. Shit's gonna be revolutionary, dude. Been listening to them for months. I'm hyped to see what they sound like live. That's why I like to hear. And godly, Gavin. Some divine intervention shit. They chuckled a bit before Dr. Mathers noticed a strange body in the waiting room. He peered and I back to not be noticed and spotted Michael on the far corner floor with his body against the vending machine. He was nuzzled in good, one arm wrapped around the back, legs limp with a curled spine and eyes to the sky. He was unconscious, mentally, not physically, as if the lights were on but no one was home. My 4 a.m.? Gavin nodded with wide eyes and an uncomfortable smile, showing some sense of empathy. Michael was sat down on a cozy tan couch in the middle of a mid-tier loft. Still in a comatose-like state, the only movement he could muster was a methodical back-and-forth brush on the couch cushion, one of those stitched, rigid couches that locked in smell. Plush. But come a year from now, it'll be tossed on the street. 
For now, the couch added a muted color to the loft, the reds of the kitchen, the mahogany tones of the living room table, and whites of the dining room balanced nicely with the green flower beds next to the window, a window that covered the entire north wall. Even though he wasn't paying attention, Michael didn't expect to be there so long. The night of morning turned to day, and now encroached on mid-evening. But it was all well spent. Dr. Mathers ran numerous tests on Michael, from cognitive function to ear and eye checks. Michael blinking in and out periodically enough to say sorry when he was gone for too long. An hour ago, Dr. Mathers left to go over some things. Not before asking Michael to strip his shirt and attach a multitude of patches and nodes to his sides, cheeks, chest, neck, and head. The multitude of, of tan patches and wiring culminated in a metallic net that was placed square around the crown of his head. Michael blinked in, felt the wires and cold steel tickle his bare skin. His eyes followed the wires back behind the, the couch. To the kitchen and over a marble countertop island, a wooden box, some sort of conduit, took in the multicolored wires from the left and spit out rubbered black wires from the right. The new wires led into a adjacent room that was slightly ajar. Not much could be said about the room, primarily because it was fairly closed. But Michael notes the balloon screen glow that crept out of the room. His eyes then hopped to a bundle of wires leaving the room, around the baseboards of the loft, and ending on the other side of the table. On the floor in front of Michael, the wires fed into a small collection of metal boxes, each with black knobs and gray dials, digital displays that blinked in an orange font, 12 a.m. If it weren't for the black wires and steel cords bleeding from them, the VCR-esque boxes would have formed a perfect V in front of the iron cart these devices fed into. A gray CRT TV stared back at Michael. The rounded bulge of the screen distorted his reflection and sucked the light from the room as if a funhouse would do to its patrons. The black fisheye screen was cased in a foggy gray box that was surprisingly clean, held together by oversized screws and faith alone. The whole operation sat atop a metal cart that was filled with power surges, external chargers, and even a mini construction generator that was totally not stolen. A bit rinky deep a bit professional. As far as Michael was concerned, it was definitely one of the more interesting offices he's been in. Michael blinked out. Whatever info his eyes were taking in, how the lost setup raised his brow, and the old tech made him smile, all went blank. That's when Dr. Mathers walked in. He came from the back room in the kitchen, hurried in with a stack of papers. Sorry we took so long. A lot to go over. You thirsty, Mike? No answer. Dr. Mather stopped in the kitchen, noticed how Michael hadn't moved from his spot at all, and walked over to the wooden box that transformed the wires. There was a recess built into it, 
used to mess around with the wires and such, but the doctor built, built a tiny transmitter and numbered dial in it, ranging from 1 to 3000. He kept an eye on Michael as he raised the dial. 1, 2, 20, 40, growing a hum with each increment. At 1,230, Michael kicked back to life, grabbing his head as if a pain was coming on. Ooh, sorry. Dr. Mathers turned the device down to a comfortable 1129 and crossed the, the loft to Michael, who was now more awake than ever. He patted the teen on the back and sat in an adjacent tan chair, leaning in, relaxed and handed him a few papers. There's a lot of jargon in there, so don't bother reading it if you don't want to. But I thought you should have a copy. Michael flipped a couple of pages and quickly lost interest. Thanks. So, we spent the whole day together without really talking about why you're here. So why come to us? Michael searched for the words never really looking at Dr. Mathers, and instead f focusing on the edges of the table. I, I guess I just need answers. I've been on antidepressants, medication, therapy, been through the ringer of traditional medicine. Yeah, every person I've, I've been to keeps saying, well, you should feel better and brush off my not being present as a self-induced psychosis. Mmm. And it's like, why would I choose this? I can't work. I can't finish college. I've lost days, man. Just gone. Poof. Because apparently, I've spent all day zoned out in bed. So it's disabling you. Exactly. And the strange thing is, I'm not even sad or anxious. I just turn off. Dr. Mathers taps the side of his seat. Do you have any history of drugs or alcohol? I'm not saying it's a direct link, but psychoactive drugs and, and drinks can contribute to underlying conditions. I mean, Michael smiled for the first time. Every now and then. I'm in a house full of stoners, so it's always uh, around, but it actually helps. Like, if I smoke on Monday and, and drink all day Tuesday, not saying I do, but if I do do that, I'm present for the rest of the week. Mm. So it maintains you, like uh, sort of a dependency. In a sense, yeah, I'm not dependent, but yeah. Dr. Mathers pulled a notebook from under his chair, a collection of medical journals. Flipping through and nodding long to what Michael expresses, Dr. Mathers finds a fairly interesting page and traces his finger through the lines, then abruptly looks up to Michael. Is it the same with food? What do you mean? When you eat or overeat, do you get some sort of excitement from it? Like, the act itself feels so much better than it has before, even better than the food itself. It makes everything else bland. Yeah. Same with sex? Yeah. And with all these things, drugs, food, sex, pleasure, has your intake of them grown over time, maybe even to an uncontrollable amount? Yeah, they 
Definitely have. <laughs> Takes up all 24 hours. I think a month ago I was a lightweight. One drink could do me. But last night, Michael chuckled his nerves away. <laughs> I kid you not. I drank like a whole bottle and a half of, of rum and felt nothing. And I'm guessing you're burning through weed quicker and calling a, a different booty call daily, huh? I mean, I'm not a womanizer. I just enjoy a variety of companions throughout the day, you know? I get it. Dr. Mathers gets up from his seat and switches on the power surges under the TV. As he does, he speaks. Okay, let's just steamroll this. Michael's eyes, concentration, broke from the nothing to finally look up at Dr. Mathers. No doc has, has ever been so... frank. What makes you think this is supernatural and not psychosis? Dr. Mathers left his seat, but kept an eye on, Mar on Michael and went to the gray CRT. Because it just came out of nowhere. I just started having cravings. Dr. Mathers turned the CRT on with, with a fine buzz that filled the room. I think it was on the weekend. I was drunk, a little high. But in a house show bathroom, everything just went dark. And I instantly sobered up and started. Michael stopped abruptly. His eyes went to work, darting and jetting around through lucid blinks. Mike? Dr. Mathers turned back. Michael was gone, slumped down along the couch with drool pulling in his mouth. His eyes looked towards the sky, pupils wider than his hazel iris. Then the tears came. Dark matter weighed too heavy for his lids and bent them back, popping at the seams. That was all the confirmation he needed. So, Dr. Mathers pulled a joystick from behind the cart and pressed one of the two buttons labeled on. The CRT whizzed, banged, and sparked on, as if the wiring was faulty to begin with. Then the screen frizzled into a black tube, ribbed, a cavern that travels forever. Periodically, sparks would light the screen in a hazy green, only to arc across the void and into nothing. The ribs of the walls to Dr. Mathers told stories of Michael. If the inner ribbings are visibly coarse, bumpy, cracked, or otherwise gross, it's childhood trauma, a lasting scar, that has proceeded to plague the mind. Michael's mind was rough. If its topography were to be molded perfectly, its surface would rival sandpaper. Dr. Mathers could see that. Dr. Mathers looked back at Michael. He's troubled. His scape shows a lot, but so far I've only seen depression. He turned back to the screen, full of thought, and pointed the screen towards a crack in a bumpy wall. Between two pussy wards, the skin broke into a canyon, opaque. It can't only be that. All of his symptoms seem exaggerated, enough for a doc to prescribe but nothing much else. He panned the camera in, deeper, 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 till the ribs of Michael's walls were far behind. The screen was black. 
the only sign of reception being the tiny gray particles passing through. Interesting. Dr. Mather scanned for anything, something to guide his search. Then the dark bent to a small wooden room, lit by candlelight. Pages from a journal, sketches, and paintings were nailed to the walls at four points. At its epicenter, sitting at a small wooden table, a gaunt, bear-like man drug a knife through the table. The thing wore a trench coat, Victorian origin, and seemed to barely fit in the room. A personification. The audio coming from the CRT lost its buzz. The hum of Michael's scape. And resided in a deafening silence. Then, then ragged, druggered breaths came through as clear as day. Magus. Magus. Noos. Nunk. Nunk. I am a priest. Magus. Magus. I am a police. It spoke in whispers, but enough to make out. Then its gaze wandered from the table to the paintings and pages. Its eyes were black, no pupil or iris, but it did have a gaze. A gaze that eventually found Dr. Mathers. A smile. A peeping tom. Worming. Entrius. Come non bib ant mecomento mehi. It started to cry, roll around in its seats and wailing as if hot needles went into his brain. Da mehi brib mehi mecomento deleterio percanme factur magus tanto magus. It turned back around, putting knife to table once more. Lucius, Anios, Secrata, Pop. Smoke sputtered from the CRT, and even the box across the room broke a gear. He was kicked out. What was that? Dr. Mathers looked back at Michael. He was out for the long run. Fantastic story, Jarvis. Um, I really, really like... um the your voice as usual mm-hmm. um and i really like the sort of dreamscape kind of place that we go into uh near the end um was that something that you were aiming for from the beginning or something you discovered as you went yeah so in the beginning i pretty much had uh the entire waiting room scene uh and that very ending but when it came to the ending i didn't really have any words to it i just kind of saw it cinematically if like mm-hmm. that makes sense, you know. So I saw a, I saw a like, I saw a picture of it, and I knew how I wanted the quote unquote camera to kind of move and uh, traverse this non physical space. Um, and I quickly found that trying to put words to it was a lot harder than. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, I like the concept of of a visual mindscape sort of thing. It was a, it was definitely like. Uh, on the supernatural side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, you have this sort of monster at this desk that was... Um, I don't know what that's personifying, but I did find that very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I like think... the, the, the way that that was discovered, by the way. Like, like where the doctor kind of knows to himself, oh, a personification. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I think 
if I do go go back to it, I'll probably create a lot more a lot more moments of discovery. Um, but I know as soon as I got to that point, um, because the entire concept really came from a mixture of a lot of my own personal uh, mental doctor visits, mm-hmm. um, coupled with trying to personify a feeling that I'm very uh, f- 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 familiar with. This idea that um, as you kind of delve further down certain paths, you start to becoming more of a being of, of consumption to drink, to smoke, do these things that, that cause you pleasure, um, without any regard to the personal toll that it's really, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the base concept, um, and I feel that going back and like reading it, that concept didn't come in, uh, didn't really come into play or even conceptualize until the very end. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's definitely something that I would probably put in the beginning. Um, and of course, I had no clue how to describe this this beast. I just kind of went for a Vic. Victorian style, mostly because I've been playing Bloodborne, and that's just stuck <laughs> in my brain. Um, sure, sure. One thing here is that I I found the the mindscape scene a lot more interesting than the first one. So mm-hmm. I almost wonder if on a rewrite you could just open in that place and then expand it more before we get to the dreamscape. Yeah. So you would have um an opportunity to more explain like what this thing is, right? Because uh, there's it, uh, I wasn't entirely sure like how real to take it. Um, mm-hmm. I like there was a. I I think part of it is that once we were doing it, it was kind of like there was several premises being thrown at me at once. Yes. Where um, <laughs> there was the, there was the idea of scape. There was the idea of these right. ridges, the cracks, all that. Right. Right. And that like so it's like one. Um, there are supernatural things. Uh, two. Uh, we can use a, a CRT monitor, among other things, to to do the scan. And then, and three is that these things are like personified in this strange, like transmedical sort of way, like bar- partly medical, partly yeah, visual and and stuff. So I, I think just taking more time to spread that out mm-hmm. might have helped. Um, like uh, having the, the 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 characters sort of discuss. Oh yeah, this is a supernatural thing that, but it, it works. And here's something to expect, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. And I feel that the reason why it's kind of like that is because I was bouncing between two different ideas, right? So mm-hmm. at first, when I was writing the beginning between Gavin and um, Dr. Mathers, I was I was already thinking of a scene of them being at the concert, right? And just like seeing how these two characters were to... Uh, coincide in a totally different setting to kind of to kind of get deeper within those those main characters because uh, I know as I kept going I slowly started making Doctor Mathers more of a main character than Michael. Um, yeah, I I think I felt that too. Yeah, which I don't know if that was really the right choice, and if it was, then I would completely change the beginning in a sense to kind of focus a lot more on. On the psyche of this um, doctor, um, I mean, he did then, he did no. seem more interesting as a. Oh yeah, it, I mean, part part of it is that uh, a character who's depressed is kind of almost always going to end up like a little bit less interesting because yeah. that's the nature of depression. And also, he is uh, 
and also Michael is like blinking out, you know. Yeah. So he's he's delving into this kind of like headspace where he's not even. Um, and uh, and then I was trying not to do that sort of uh, that sort of uh, exposition dump, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, the action of the scene has to pause so I can tell the audience what is happening. Right. Um, which I mean, there are certain points where that is needed. Uh, like, like I know they they do it in every anime, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Well, that that's that's a bad thing about anime. That's not that's not a good example. Well, okay. It's it's again like a mixed bag, right? Because yes, it does stop the the action, but it also lets you look at what is happening uh, when there is action. Uh, it helps you look at it in a different light, you know. So in so instead of you focusing on wow, he's he's punching really fast, it's like oh, he's using up his fucking his fucking his fucking chakra uh, <laughs> to uh, trans mutate a sword or, or or something like that so i mean i do feel that they do serve a, a purpose um i just personally didn't want to do that because i don't always like it and i feel that yeah it, i don't yeah it, that's yeah. why i don't think it's good <laughs> yeah i feel that it's definitely like a, a crutch that a lot of writers do uh, end up yeah. using uh but then again when i'm talking about escape and i'm talking about these um these kind of beings that are the person are the personification of a feeling and like are they a curse are did they infect this this person and then also what what the tech is these are all things that i do have to explain but i was having a hard time f- basically choosing where to explain that so i just did <laughs> yeah, I think that was the that was the thing. Um, it, well, like a lot of it is shown, right? Like the going into the mindscape and especially seeing like the personification thing. Um, it's like I I do like that. The my, I guess my 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 question that I ended up like just wanting an answer to was sort of like where, w- how is this sort of camera view like? Like where where is this camera basically? Like I know it's mm. not like a physical camera, but like yeah. is this like literally like this is what the inside of his brain looks like, or is this like a software that puts together a bunch of things, or is this actually more of an entirely supernatural, you know, magical sort of device? Um, mm. And it, it's just like the the nature of like what am I actually like looking at? I think was was my main question. Yeah, and I mean that was definitely a attempt on on my part to kind of to basically marry um the supernatural and the sci-fi because i see this this place as somewhere that is non that's non-physical right it is not what his brain looks like but it is that kind of third space i guess that our brains kind of reside it's it's where thoughts happen it's where feelings happen, you know right so i, I guess I can sort it's, of... it's the soul in a sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I can sort of imagine like a like a conversation where Dr. Mathers goes something like, um, in the olden days, they used to use um, they used to use uh, smoke and fire and, and, and herbs to uh, see images uh, that allow you to uh, look into yourself. Nowadays, pat pat on the uh, pat pat on the machine, uh, we use these babies to to uh have a stable connection also less risk of fires or something like that <laughs> yeah definitely um, yeah no that would that would definitely fit in perfectly uh and i think on on the same token if i were to go back i would make it a lot more comedic a lot more mm-hmm. 
Sure. Um, because because right now, as I read it, it just feels like milk toast. That makes sense. Um, I I feel like it it is trying to be more of a a, a serious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing is, of course, the like uh, sort of like a conflicting character of of Doctor Mathers, where. Um, he seems like a full-on stoner, like, not only in that he's talking about Stone Jesus concerts to his co-worker, to, to his, uh, employee, mm-hmm. but he's also, like, when he's talking about, um, alcohol and, and weed to our main character, he sounds like he's very, he's using street slang rather than, like, doctor speak, right? He's not yeah. using, he's not saying... Um, you know, the word marijuana he's using. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was part of it where I was like, uh, I don't know how I'm supposed to be imagining this, this character. Cause it's, it seemed like a, a street character put into a lab coat kind of. Yeah. So I think, I, I don't know if you could like, if you wanted to lean into it more or go the, either make him more of a professional doctor or lean into it completely. And he's more just like, he's like a stone doctor and is, you know, or not, maybe not even a real doctor. Um, and his like hair, you know, is grown out long and mm. the, his loft office place is actually pretty like messy and, um, a bunch of things that like show that, Oh, he actually is fully this sort of street doctor kind of character. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what I was going for in the beginning, right? So, like, when I was coming up with, with this I idea, I was thinking, oh, these aren't actual doctors. They aren't, like, licensed by anyone, you know? So, it's so I, I saw it as, like, on par with going to a psychic, right? Um, which I didn't really make that plain within the writing, uh, mostly because I did run, run out of time. But, yeah, I, I really do like your suggestion of leaning into it making this this doctor even more of just like a like streetwalker right yeah um and like i like even thought that like oh the like front door wouldn't work because they don't have any money and like uh Mm. the 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 place is dirty if you put uh, if you put money in to the vending machine nothing will come out like like these sort of like little touches i did want to add but of course i did run out of time but um i uh, know we were we were actually talking about this off the um podcast and uh you said that a lot of the uh, a i think you said all of the uh characters sound very similar um which that's almost what i was going for but not to the extent that it is on on the page you know like Mm -hmm. um i do want gavin and dr mathers to kind of have this sort of like candor going on but um i did notice how dr mathers was talking very similar to how michael did so mm-hmm. i mean definitely going going through on a second run i will probably lean dr mathers even further on to the quote-unquote stoner side right and um have him talk a lot more about things that are metaphysical and uh stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah like making it so he's more in touch with all of that than michael is because it seems like they were very much just on the same page yeah um on the other end um i uh, i really like the main theme that you're you're talking about here um i i like that discussion about how um for this character's depression it's not just 
it's not just the zoning out it's also like more and more just the the hedonism mm-hmm. and and like that being the only way to to feel i i like the statement where he's like, yeah, if I smoke all of Monday and then drink all of Tuesday, I'll be fine for the rest of the week. But I'm not, like, dependent or anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I was like, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I I feel the, the reason why I like those moments the most is because those were drawing the most off of my personal life. You know, like like I had somewhere that I was going with it. And I knew the feeling that I was trying to dis- trying to dis- describe. Um, so definitely, if I ever kind of look at this piece again, I will want to bring that uh, across even more and just kind of, I don't know, like, even though I do want a steeper sci- sci-fi edge, I think some of the places that this story kind of shines um, beyond the, like, kind of, like, mindscape is the subtle realism that I'm trying to go for. Um, and I think I need to bring that across even more so that people will actually like read through past the, uh, be past the beginning bit past the fucking what, like three giant paragraphs of just <laughs> describing this room and the wires and, and where they are going, which was, I thought was cool, but it completely halts the uh, story. In a sense, I mean, I I didn't think it was so bad, um, but um, I mean, I I did really like the the image of it, um, but yeah, it was probably a little bit too specific at times. Like specifically when we we're talking about like where the wires were going and stuff, mm-hmm. like I would have been happy with like, you know, there was a tangle of um, colored wires and bl- and and black ones or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um, so, yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, you, you wrote a freaking lot. That's, I mean, that's always an accomplishment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, I think that's solely because, like, I did have that time limit, right? And I was trying to crank out as as much as as possible, as as quick as possible. Uh, and I know I really, and I know I really talk about this every week, but um, it definitely felt like uh i was rolling a ball down a hill um and -hmm. then like as it kept getting faster that's that's when more scenes kind of pulled into my mind more lines of uh dialogue you know i was slowly getting into it um which you know feels great um is as especially that since for me it's been really hard to really uh sit down and write on a lot of my longer pieces, you know, cause I am uh, super busy. Um, right. but no, I think like definitely doing the right thing this week, uh, re in basically gave me the power back of kind of why I want to write. So yeah, yeah that's very awesome. beneficial. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, when, when we say like, write what you know, we don't mean it like literally. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't mean, you know, uh, if you're, working as a um if you're working retail right don't just write about customer service right no that's <laughs> not, you don't have to do that um but write you know the conflicts and the themes that you do know and think about that's that's basically it write what you care about i think exactly. that's probably be a better um way to say that because i mean if you if we're being honest real life is pretty boring like real life makes too much sense um, and I mean, if it's like non non fiction, 
that's that's great. And uh, if you don't really have that kind of uh, world building story that you've like live that you've lived through, well, there are a lot of small crises that you have definitely gone through that 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 you can pull from, and you don't even have to use the same situation or the same place or the same characters. You just have to carry over that essence. And that is definitely something that people will feel on the page when they read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's all um, the, 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 the time we have for discussing the story. Is there anything you want to talk about with, you know, what you learned or, or what you would go back and change other than uh, we've talked about a lot already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I'll just talk about what I learned. Um, what I learned when it came to writing this is that, um, well, really, it's it's just kind of modifying my own process when it comes to writing. Like normally, I would plan for for uh, I'll plan for days, write down countless notes, and then never do it. But with this, I just had the I I had the idea, didn't know where it was going or how I would do it. But I just started writing. And that's how I got a quote-unquote first draft. And I mean, once you have that that first draft, well, the second, third, and fourth are going to be so easy. Crazy. So, um, yeah, I guess that's just what. Um, yeah, all right. Um, let's, uh, let's get to the listener story section. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, listener submitted story section. We do this every week on, on Do the Right Thing. So you should already know by now. But if you don't, We're going to talk about these. We're going to spoil them. So, after we announce them, you should pause, go back, read them, and then come back here so you can listen to us discuss them without being spoiled on them. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All right, uh, who who are we talking about this week, Jarvis? This week, we are talking about Ghost Pac-Man 4, Sarah Penguin, Nick You, Zedadarian, and Jarby Jazz. That's right. Um, all right, let's get started. Cool. First up is Sarah Penguin with the Spy Master and the and the Princess Part Seventeen. No rest for the weary. Mm, I do love Cage the Elephant. <laughs> uh, this is a yeah. I, I, I'm I'm very excited that we have someone writing so many entries in seventeen. In that's, a particular story. That's yeah, that's bonkers, very impressive. Like... So so good job, Sarah Penguin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this one, we, we have our character Faye, um, who is really stressed out because the princess has been kidnapped again, um, after, uh, having been freed and then fallen in love with, um, so we start with, uh, with her going over reports and, um, how, yeah, how stressed out she is before a servant girl tells her to basically go take a walk, um, and she ends up at a, a temple where she, um, talks to a priestess who gives her some guidance telling her to uh listen to her heart and um and and Faye expresses how like you know that that has done her wrong in the past but the prince priestess emphasizes that she should still do that because it's more about um getting over that fear um because um that's how you are able to actually change things uh so then she goes to of um, a messenger and pays for a message to be sent to a duke uh, before um, heading off herself basically to go and find the the princess um, rather than searching for her uh, more passively like she was. 
So yeah, definitely. I uh, really did like this uh, entry. I mean, for this series to be going on as long as it has is uh, spectacular. And I uh, do feel that like this um, uh, feels like one of those in-between bottle episodes uh, uh, in a story, right? To where it's a, to where it's a lot more focused on uh, one on one character kind of going through this own personal tra- uh, and I think it's like really great how um, it seems that so many different people are kind of telling Faye what what to do. Uh, but she's trying to kind of figure that out for herself while also, you know, of course, being in uh, emotional ter- uh, emotional turmoil because the person that she just recently fell fell deeply in uh, love with is uh, gone once more. Um, so, yeah, overall, I think it's a really great uh, entry. And I am definitely really looking forward to seeing um uh, Faye hopefully finding this uh, princess and just kind of seeing where it goes from there. So really great job. Um, yeah. Uh, so one one thing, uh, re- returning to um, a past topic is that there is a little bit of this where, I mean, we, we kind of have three locations in here in, uh-huh. in, a, in a pretty short story. So part of it is that um, I think we, we moved a little faster than them. I, I kind of wanted to stay into the in the temple a lot more. Um, in fact, I think I would have been happy if like the entire story basically ended up being there um you know not not necessarily only talking about only the conversation with the priestess but also just like uh you know what is Faye feeling here is she you know how does she feel that she's actually you know praying to this goddess or is it more of a like this is a place to get guidance um and more like express some of her feelings there so that we when we talk about, you know, following her heart and stuff, we kind of already know what her heart is thinking. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my my suggestion there. The, the ground in a particular location um, before and, and, and trying to do all the stuff that you want to do within a scene like that. Definitely, definitely. I mean, that will really provide a good amount of clarity and a focus for uh, for the scene. So, yeah, that worked really well in this story. Um, all right, who's next? Up next is Jar- is Jarby Jazz with Lost Son. Uh, so this story uh, starts off with uh, we have we have two characters, so, so it's nice and, and focused on this this uh, primary like sort of um, a struggle. We have a uh, noble, a lord um, in the sort of sci sci fi wor- world um, far in the future. Ooh, um, who seems to be waiting for his son to get home. Uh, but there seems to be like a lot of nervousness. Uh, he seems to like be um, missing his, his son, not necessarily like that he's been gone for a long time, but like something is different with his son. He's not the same anymore. And so our, our advisor is sort of uh, telling him that what happened to his son is not his fault. He was like hurt in, in a battle far off. Um, and, just to to be careful and that you know as a um you know coming in as, as a father uh would would um probably be best for mending the relationship and, and things like that um and so one one thing is that it's a little vague on on what some things are but um i did just like i could, I could tell like the pain that uh callum the the lord is in and how much our main character sort of cares about him and and, and sees like that pain um, which I yeah I really like that part. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think this this story starts off in a very uh, interesting place that like really grabs you. How uh, Callum has set up this beautifully elegant dinner, 
uh, and then the ad advisor just straight up telling telling them you're doing too much. Uh, yeah. and, I, uh, and I think that like really uh, tells you what their dynamic really is just, just like right off right off the back, which I really love. Uh, and it kind of uh, allows me as a reader to to already know something about these characters before I really know anything about them. Um, and then, you know, as as we're going through the uh, story, we are getting so much more about this uh, about this past war, about kind of what their their country has a uh, has been through, but also how this is affecting his his son. Uh, and yeah, overall, I just really love the focus of this story. Like it's not trying to tell the story of the whole kingdom. It's just trying to focus on these few uh, re relationships and, and how they are changing and what people are doing to kind of uh, maintain what kind of you to be there um so yeah mm-hmm. i just I, I i just really like it and uh i like honestly if you have any plans of uh making this longer or uh or, or like rewriting it i would love to uh see it to see where you really take this um dynamic yeah, Jerby Jazz in their their comment talks about how they sort of discovered what this is about as they went. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I I mean I, I I love when when that happens. I think if you go back and edit with this, uh, with the the goal in mind of like this being that conflict of like missing, um, their son and being really nervous about um seeing seeing him again and uh all the whole like. It, what like what exactly are they nervous about and things like that? I think would, um, I, I think that would make for a really interesting story. Definitely, definitely. But thank you very much, Jarby Jazz. And up next is Nick Yu with Orion. Um, so this is an interesting story. We have our character, uh, a um, our, our our narrator who's kind of walking through an apocalyptic sort of wasteland, mm-hmm. um, and they're in a sort of environment suit. They can't actually breathe the air out there, um, and it's it just seems like a really horrid outside place. Um, but eventually they get over a hill and um, they see um, Orion, which. Um, is sort of uh, a a city that they can that they can live in, um, set on this far off planet, um, and it has clean water and air and um, uh, food and life um, and safety, but the the main thing that the 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 this job that they're taking of of going outside is appreciation of of being able to sort of view it in in perspective, so um, they finish their job, which is just to collect a sample, and they go home. Um, and we we get shown of just how much of a, a struggle it is to live here. The decontamination chamber scanned me and my suit thoroughly, then cleansed cleansed us both. Then it scanned us again. Then it cleansed us. <laughs> After about an hour, I was finally permitted to leave. So that was it was like an amusing way to 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 show that. So um, we kind of understand that uh, while this is a struggle, and most of their pay is like going to their family in the mines, <laughs> so you can you know it's bad. Um, and uh, Eden is sort of like this. Uh, this this place that all the the rich people live and they're sort of you know slaving away for them um in the end they are you know satisfied that you know they're they're, they're getting some funds and they can sort of have some hope for the future um even though outside is a is a wasteland it will, will be a century before they have something like a crop that can grow outside yeah so yeah i i i really dug this uh story i mean i really like the um prose I think you did a fantastic job of describing this 
wasteland and making it pretty pretty vivid to where like I can perfectly picture what this place does does look like. And uh, through that, you also gave us some really great world building. Um, never did it really dwell too much on what did happen. It's, it focuses a lot more on the the now, and I think that that's really great. Uh, seeing where the world has basically where well, I think it's it a I think it's a new planet. Oh yeah, yeah, they're terraforming. <sighs> okay, yeah. So yeah, I just I really just think that the prose is uh, fantastic. I love the uh, world building, and I do like how it does follow this this one person's journey. And, and their own personal struggles. It, it really does ground this um, story. And then also when you are de- when you are describing these um, other places, I, I do like how they all have their own flavor to it. And it feels like a very um, a very colored world, a very various world where um, completely different places probably go by completely different rules. And I uh, and I really did like that. Uh, and it and it definitely forced me like to to stay in the uh, story and just and and and, and uh, continue to to a really great job. And uh, if you do choose to continue this, I would love to see where it does go. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I um. Um. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh huh. So thank you very much, Nick. To you and uh, and up next is Ghost Pac Man Four with Berserker. Um, so we, we start off here where you're at a sort of, uh, a, a farm, uh, and there's authorities knocking on, at the door and they're telling our, um, the, a farmer here that they are, um, fugitive robbers, um, around that they're very deadly, these sort of like monsters, um, and you have to be careful. Um, and, and so the, the ranger outside gives the, the farmer a flare to set off just in case they, they see one. Um, and then they leave. And, uh, so the, the man, um, uh, is kind of just like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, I, I, um, deal with these things all the time. I guess they can tear me apart, whatever. And, uh, sort of like dismisses them after the ranger leaves, um, out from under, uh, out from inside a closet, um, a roper walks out. <laughs> um, we, we, uh, very quickly get the understanding of like, oh, so he was like hiding here and they sort of have like a rapport thing going on. And um, so we have a lot of conversation here that sorts of uh, in, in um, exposition, exposition talking about how the rovers are sort of like a, a sentient, um, you know, race of aliens. Um, and this is actually a, a far off planet as well. Um, and uh, that they are basically a, a species like made for war. They, that's their, their entire culture is built around it and, and physical conflict. And they are all like living weapons. Um, but they, you know, they have some depth too, and, you know, they prefer to fight for stuff that actually like matters. And so, uh, this particular one is, you know, ran away from its army and is sort of just hiding out here. And yeah, we, we end up like liking this sort of relationship before, uh, between, um, our main, um, Rober and, and Roderick, uh, the, the farmer, um, until the, the flare actually goes off. It was more of a, a trap. Um, we understand, although we're not entirely sure like what exactly, um, made it, uh, detect wh- who was going on, um, or what was, what was going on. But, um, so <laughs> there's, there's a wonderful moment here where, uh, Roderick, the, the farmer throws the device at our, um, 
fugitive and uh, the fugitive like crushes it immediately um, <laughs> and just says, okay, well, um, I'll be sure to like break some shit as I leave. That way it looks like it, you didn't have a choice. And yeah, it's just a nice little exchange. Um, but um, they leave and we get a more um, exposition, but they're watching to make sure that nothing happens to Roderick when, um, while they're gone, and it seems that some other authorities come here and they're way more aggressive. They seem like they want to punish anyone that, you know, was harboring um, a rover and they're about to kill him and it throws Roderick into a murderous rage. He throws, he goes in there and he smashes them apart until the main one, the leader, um, shoots uh, Roderick and it seems like Roderick's dead and he goes like utterly mad. And it's really clear just how like alien and, and, and rage filled um our main character is um and so much that like when he's done it's sort of like a terrifying like the entire narration just like takes over with this sort of mantra of um how they want to like take their enemy apart and things um and then it turns out that Roderick actually was alive and now um he's just (laughs) horrified by by the violence yeah, so I think this this story uh, takes us on a ride throughout. Um, I, oh, uh, the main character's name is is Ama. I I, Ama. I forgot it, and then I couldn't find it in, in the two seconds I I scrolled through. So sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I just think that the story takes us on such a great ride. I mean, uh, in the uh, in the beginning, it uh, reminds me a, a lot of those sort of like door to uh, door checks that you've seen in like every movie about the uh, Holocaust. Um, mm. uh, and I think that, you know, it was, it was done very well and, uh, you got a very clear sense of like how this, this world sort of works and who the, uh, authorities are and like why you should kind of look at them with a, uh, sense of fear. Uh, and then, uh, going through, of course, all of the dialogue does really great world, world building and just telling us where, where we are, when, when we are. And like how we should view this uh, story, uh, and I think the the part that like really gets me is uh, when Alma does go into that murderous rage. I think it's done so so well. It's it's gruesome. It's uh, gratuitous, and I really do like how there is that like sort of maddening mantra uh, going over and uh, over. I think it's like every other every other paragraph is either like rip and tear or like break them down till they can't move or uh or like rip them uh apart on until they wish they were dead uh and i think that was just done so well to really show us how like crazy how how much this this character of um ama is just a berserker and how he can chow through anything uh, and I think it was done really, really well. Uh, so yeah, really great job. Yeah, I really enjoyed just how um, sort of alien that that perspective was, mm-hmm. and it it's pretty understandable why Roderick would be so horrified. Um, <laughs> I guess the 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 one thing, uh, it, you know, if this was a longer story, I'm I'm trying to think. There's, there's like a a big part of me, you know, that would be like, oh, I, he could just explain, oh, it's because I thought you were dead and I, you know, I care about you and stuff. But, you know, that would make for a boring story. So I'm trying to think of like <laughs> how, uh, how that cannot just, how that can be failed um, to be communicated between the two. And Roderick is just like, actually, you are a monster and I'm really disturbed. Um, I would like you to leave, please. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I think that like within that a moment, 
the thing that I see is that uh, Alma would just run, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that he showed mm-hmm. uh, the only yeah. person that that really kind of cared uh, about him how much of a danger and a monster he really is. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, hey. Uh, if you want to, I would love to see a continuation. I mean, you are building a really awesome world here. So, yeah, really, really great job. Um, and uh, up next is Zedadarian with mag with magnitude and direction. Uh, we have our main character who is a, a leader of a kingdom in, in some far futuristic place. Um, and they're walking down this, this hall of murals and there's some... Um, meaning to these images that were that were passing by all the the stories that we have um just in in those images and i i like that as a setup because it it pays off closer to the end in a in a um twist of a way so um uh he's discussing with his advisors that uh (laughs) they are not having a, a good time um there, there's clearly something like really terrible about to happen they're fighting some invisible enemy um which uh you know such a like a a, a simple concept but like can be terrifying in in its execution and uh so the the main thing going on here is uh he's talking to uh, another character named uh, Vickers who's an advisor that like can calculate things very very quickly and uh they talk about how uh the prediction markets so um are 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 changing and it's sort of implied i think that it's not just like people it's not just a stock market it's also like some sort of precognitive sort of thing as well where um uh, a lot of people are withdrawing their money and not investing uh, and not doing anything because they can kind of see in the future that there's actually a very high chance that the civilization that they are a part of will just be destroyed within like a year and i think it's expressed really well where or our main character um asks what are the chances of that and vickers just doesn't like give a good answer at all um and uh so our main character forces them to ask again uh, or, or forces them to to go through it again asking um one hour one day one month one year one decade what are the chances for each of those and there's a good like pause in between that before Vickers finally says uh, 0.01%, 9.4%, 42%, 47%, 55%. So by the end of the month, it's a 42% chance that uh, the civilization will be destroyed. By the end of the next day, it'll be uh, 9.4%. Um, which is, uh, yeah, very worrying. It's our, our main <laughs> character uh, starts starts running. And we have this like final like image that we're looking at, which is a... Um, it's a mural uh, depicting a a uh, billiards game, um, which we you know we can tell what it is. Although I don't think the character knows the name or doesn't say the name, and starts taking it um, uh, literally as it's sort of like um, taking the right amount of force in the right direction is is important. And and so our our, our main character um, decides in this moment that they have to go off and uh, make sure that they're applying the right force in the right direction as well as. Um, another insight that they got from it yeah so i think this this story is really just steeped uh in its own sci-fi and uh world building and i really do like that i like how we're just thrown uh directly in to this world and like every little bit of um dialogue that that we get is just further in 
informing us of what is happening and uh, what is going on. Uh, and I do like uh, a lot of the bits about them talking about this uh, this uh, probability. And it definitely brings the point home that they're kind of in the um, end game to where uh, within one one month, it's almost it's almost a 50 person chance that everything will be de destroyed. Um, so, yeah, I just think that this story definitely brings uh, across a really great dire tone to it that that really pulls that really pulls you in and um halfway feel sorry for these for these characters while also personally trying to come up with how could they possibly uh find their way out of this so yeah i think it's it's really great i think i think the prose brings this tone uh, across perfectly and i really and i really love reading it so great job yeah um for a little bit of, of critique um specifically um that uh, some of the some of the details of the conflict are a little vague where um i'm not sure if it's like that there's a threat within this room Mm -hmm. or that they are you know about to be wiped out as a civilization that kind of thing um and i I mean i think the the broader details of like is it a war don't necessarily need to happen but i think the one part where i wanted more detail was just what this main character is specifically worried about what they think is going to happen and what sort of thing that they want to do in response because we can see that they have resolved to um you know kind of throw away pleasantries and 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 shows and uh instead just you know go into action um but we're not sure i think like what sort of action it is yeah exactly exactly so thank you excuse me (laughs) uh so thank you very much zedadarian uh, and that is it for the listener submitted stories for this week. We do wish we could talk about even more, uh, but I personally have stuff to do within two hours. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> okay, let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know that. No, it is fine. I have done most of it, so we are we are completely safe. But I do mm-hmm. want to take the time out to say thank you to everyone who did submit a story this week. So. Thank you very much to Yanni Den. Thank you to Sarah Penguin. Thank you, Kamikaze Tomato. Thank you, Jarby Jazz. Thank you, Nick Du. Thank you, Yeti Mansur Quest. Thank you, Ghost Pac-Man 4. And thank you, Zed Darian. <laughs> and we also want to say thank you to everyone who did leave two comments this week. Leaving comments not only allows you to look at your own work and, uh, provide those that that will read it with what your own personal thoughts on it were but also you can provide someone else with very very crucial feedback i mean personally i i know that some of my best moments when it comes to the the entire writing process is to see what someone else really thought of what i did right i mean that's kind of why we do right you know to uh get eyes on it and to uh have someone that that is not us critique what we did put down so thank you very much to sithro ghost pacman 4 and nicked you thank you so much for leaving so yeah, many comments fantastic yes um uh, we really appreciate that um and so just to it, it's been a while since we talked about how we do our, our drawing process mm-hmm. so i think i want to run through it yeah, sure. um again for all the our, our new people so um what we do for our our, our the, the way that we select stories every week is we have uh, five slots Right. One, we just choose um, and we usually end up choosing whoever the newest writer is this week or, uh, you know, just a 
story we found interesting and wanted to, to mention. Um, and then we have um, basically two drawings. One is for Doof Writers, uh, so everyone who is a patron um, and has sent us their, their username for us to write down um, is is in that drawing. And then um, we have one that, that is everyone, including those who are our patrons as well. So uh, being a patron is a really good way to uh, have a higher chance of getting your story talked about each week. But basically every single time that you write a story, um, you get one more entry into the these um, like the, <laughs> these two buckets, basically, <laughs> um, as well as every time that you leave two comments. That's another one. Um, and the result of this, um, uh, or and then the other step of that that finally, um, I, I think rounds it out is that when you are selected, you are set back down to zero. You are started over. Um, and so I think so. So the goal is that. Um, you know, the the longer that you weren't talked about, the higher the chance that you will be talked about until it all balances out and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to to reiterate that for those who are new and didn't know, know that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and use three of four words for that week within your short story. That's right. And uh, if you want to find out the, the words as soon as possible, as soon as we post them, uh, the best way to do that is by following us on Twitter. Um, you could even turn on notifications. You don't you don't have to do that. But it would only be once a week. And then you would just see what the what the word is. I mean, I guess it would be twice a week because we also tweet out when the episode comes out. Mm-hmm. But um, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a good way to find out when the, when the episode comes out. If you also want to just let us know what you think or uh, want to yell at us or just, you know, have a, like a, a meme you want to show us, you can uh, send us an email at rightthinkcast at gmail.com. Exactly. And if you want to support us and everything else going on in Doof, well, there are two ways. Number one, which is the easiest and free, uh, it's just word of mouth. Uh, if you think one of your other friends w- within your circle or, e- or even your friends on online would would enjoy Do The Right Thing or any of the other podcasts on the Doof Media Network, go ahead and uh, tell them. That's the best way to kind of grow our uh, numbers and uh, get more people writing along with us. Yeah, I, I think part of one of the, one of the biggest things is that uh, the more people that we have in the, this little writing community, the more uh, comments that that people will have on each other, um, and the more that we can all grow that way. Exactly. Um, also, you can tell them that uh, there's a good chance that some um, sweet, sweet podcasting voices will talk about their story, and that's that's a draw for people, yeah, you know. Exactly. So, and also we read out whatever your title is, so you can do stuff with that if you want. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, just just putting ideas out there. Uh, what's the other way people can support us, Travis? Well, the other way is you can support the Doof Media Patreon. All all you have to do is submit a dollar or more per per month, and you are directly su- supporting us and the content that we do make. At the one dollar level, you you get access to the Doof Media Discord, where uh, you can talk uh, to us about any sort of. Uh, to where, to where you can talk to us about this this podcast or uh, any other podcast on the Doof Media Network. And also, if you want to splurge just just a little bit and 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 donate upwards of ten of ten dollars or more per month, you you will get access to bonus content, including uh, me and Matthias talking about a fantastic anime. 
named Prelai, Prela Magi Modico Magica. Yep, um, and we're going to be recording the second episode uh, this week, yeah. where we're going to talk about uh, Pala Magi Magica Magica Rebellion, which is a really wild movie. Exactly. Um, there's also so many other wonderful things on the Doof Network. Uh, actually, next week is the 100th anniversary, or not anniversary, It's not, has not been 100 years <laughs> since the Doofcast was established. Uh, 100th episode of the Doofcast, that is uh, since we rebranded from the Daily Planet to Doof Media. I say we, I was not part of the Daily Planet, so uh, <laughs> royal we. We are um, now. So it's going to be a special episode looking back at the last 100 episodes. I'm very excited about that. Additionally, um, I, I know we we already plugged the bonus content, but a, another thing, at the $5 level or above, you uh, get access to uh, our, our Doofin Shills, which are a, a monthly sort of activity that, that we do that usually is interacting with the community. And I'm very, very excited for this one the, next week, um, which is um, going to be uh, next, uh, I think it's Saturday night, right? Uh-huh. Or is it Friday night? I think it's Saturday night. Saturday night uh, at 9.30 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. We're going to be playing the game Among Us, Ooh. which is a, a really fun uh, murder game uh, a la um, Salem or uh, Werewolf or um, what's another one? Um, there's at least one other big one. Oh, uh, Secret Hitler, that kind yes. of thing, where um, we are crew members on the ship and we have to keep the ship going, but also there's an imposter among us that wants to kill us, and we have to figure out who it is, um, and it's, it's one of us. So it's going to be a lot of fun, um, and I'm very excited to uh, murder my uh, co-hosts. <laughs> I am too. Well, all right, I think it's time to announce next week's words, huh? Sure. Nice. So, next week's words. Can I get a drum roll or like a snare roll or something? Um, bada ding, bada da, doobie dee. Mm, jazzy, I like it. Alright, so, next week's words are magnetic, captain, reactor, and van. Um, yeah, so we have a, 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 a streak of uh, science fiction-y sort of, uh, sort of words <laughs> yeah. here. So, um, magnetic as in, uh, you know, ma- magnetism, obviously, but also you can use it in the metaphor- metaphorical sense of, uh, some, some, like your eyes being drawn, drawn to something with a uh, magnetism or, um, someone has a certain magnetism about them. People are, are drawn to them and that can be like a romantic sense or just like a leadership sense, um, or anything else. Um, what was the, the next one? Captain. Uh, captain as in. The, the captain of a ship or the captain of some other kind of crew or um, a captain of industry or um, I think I, I think y'all know what a captain is. <laughs> um, reactor, uh, which is pretty specifically like a sort of like generator sort of thing. It's where a reaction happens um, inside of it. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what twist you can do on that. Um, I mean, in, you know, you can do a different sort of direction. Like if it was a magical thing, mm-hmm. a reactor could be something that that does react, um, like a, a component that makes something be able to react to something. Maybe yeah. I don't know. You do uh, theater, like the person who mm-hmm. reacts, maybe. Ah, I see. I see. Um, and then van, which obviously is the vehicle, mm-hmm. but also you could um, make it like a sort of a what? What is that? What's the like word for like, like Van Buren. Like what? What is the oh. word for that part of a name? Um, I mean, I like I know what it translates to, which is basically like of. I think. Yeah. Um. Uh, usually, anyway. Uh, I don't know what it is. 
Um, you could also combine it into bigger words like a vanguard mm-hmm. um, or anything like or that. So, so you've got some options here. Hmm? Uh, so, Matthias, next week, what story are you going to write? Um, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to talk about um, a, a literal a literal magnet, oh. um, Captain. Uh, <laughs> it's a, mag- a sentient magnet, a sentient magnet um, that obviously has a certain magnetism about it and it has a crew of uh, people made of metal which um is both you know that makes a lot of sense but it's also pretty difficult because you know anytime they get close they 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 get stuck and then they get magnetized and then they sort of get stuck to each other so it's kind of like um it's it's sort of like a comedy of errors kind of thing um you know a a bit slapstick too um where this this captain is kind of just uh you know trying to trying to steer the ship um which the ship is actually just a really big van um, that it it is on wa- water, um, but um, they they sort of uh, these little metal men and uh, this this sentient magnet um, sort of just keep bumping into each other and causing problems, um, and it all culminates in in this this final scene um, when um, because of you know everything that's been going on, um, you know there's there's a bunch of interpersonal conflicts that are going on. Every, everyone thinks that the the captain is like sleeping with everyone because their hand like keeps getting magnetized and like you know accidentally touching, and they're like really embarrassed about it, and you know they can't control it, but. Um, it, it finally finally culminates when uh, the reactor explodes and they all get uh, wiped out in a well a, the a one big uh, flash. There was a nuclear reactor on in, inside of the van. Wow! So that's that's big business. Yep. Well, uh, my story next week is uh, gonna focus on realism, uh, and specifically, it takes place during UIL season. Uh, and it takes place in theater van on the way to the semifinals. Now, this is more of a romance, right? You see, this this school is putting on a production of Treasure Planet, and oh wow, and this whole love story is. I would love to see that. I'm sorry, I just, that sounds so amazing. I would love. I would love to see the play version of Treasure Planet. That sounds fantastic. I know. Uh, Which I know is just Treasure Island, but space, and I know that people have done that, but still. Yeah, uh, I was I was in a uh, production of uh, Treasure of uh, Treasure Island, and every day I wish it was Treasure Planet. Because Treasure Planet is so much cooler. But, but that's just it me. Is. Uh, but yeah. He's got a space surfboard. I know. Uh, and I don't want to work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a good soundtrack. Fantastic what to say. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, so uh, they are currently in uh, the the van, and you see this this love story is is between the leading lady, Captain Trelawney, and uh, one of the um, one of the extras. Sadly, uh, he is he's he's not even a pirate. He is he is the person that is mopping the the poop deck in every scene but you see he just fell so head over heels to her they were drawn to together like like mag like like magnets so uh so of course we go throughout the entire uil process which if you did do theater in high school you know it's pretty fucky uh, and it's <laughs> very complicated overly complicated uh but this what does UIL stand for? I don't remember. Um, oof. I, I think the last one is learning. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Good. We got that one <laughs> down. That. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this story ends on their final 
per on their final performance of of treasure planet where where this where this extra this person that is simply there to react the the reactor of the play <laughs> um runs up in the very last scene and kisses captain trelawney on the mouth it, what happens well they fall in love you see oh, because that's wonderful. because the best love the deepest love Always starts out with the lie of the. Uh, did they? Did they win the 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 competition? Of course not. No one wins that. <laughs> <laughs> if if you are not doing the crucible, you don't win. You <laughs> Hey hey, we got we got pretty far with the Spring Awakening. So. Okay hey, you. It's a wild play. <laughs> it's 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 a lot for high school. <laughs> you y'all y'all probably got farther than us. I think the farthest we got was. There's district, then there's regional, and then there's state. We almost went to state. Wow. Yeah, but then we fell short um, because we picked horrible players. Yeah. Yeah, that's the downside. Um, you know, yeah, if y'all had uh, had actually, you know, done the right thing oh, yeah. and picked and picked a good... You would win yeah. if you did that. If, if we did the right thing.